0: So, it's getting harder to know what's real and what's fake. So, last week, uh, a popular Instagram photographer uh, Aiden's going to pop up as uh, some of his Instagram page this Instagram photographer had to come out and make a confession so this is the Insta account of Joe Avery and we'll just have a chance to look over some of the images on his account uh, just now quite stunning uh, images he's got up there he opened his Portrait photography page in October 2022, mainly showing these stunning black and white photos. And within a short time, there were over 10,000 people who were following his page. But at the end of January, he had to confess that his work wasn't actually photography at all. He'd never picked up a camera. None of these people are real, they don't exist but these images were generated by AI, by artificial intelligence. He used some AI software called Midjourney, which enables you to generate images based on the text that you input. So, you know, a handsome man in his mid-twenties with a bow tie on, and, and up comes that guy, and he would got them to generate, I think, in the region of 14,000 images, and then he picked uh, in the region of 150 or so of them, and, he, and then he touched these photos up with Photoshop and, and so on. Uh, just quite incredible that these are not real people, but these are just the product of some computer wizardry. Uh, it's happening with images. It's happening with audio. Some phone manufacturers are working on tech so that, uh, say for example, you're driving in your car and you receive a WhatsApp message from me which does happen from time to time if I get caught up on my messages. Some of you, if you're on various groups, will know when I'm getting caught up on WhatsApp messages because you'll get like 10 messages from me across the different threads. Oh, Martin's catching up on WhatsApp. Well, you may be driving in your car and get a WhatsApp from me, uh, and the, the, the software will read the message out for you. Now, that's actually nothing new. Uh, my Android Auto uh, already does that. But what they're working on now is that the text message you've received from me might eventually be read out in my voice. <laughs> now, I've, t- I've typed something in, and the World Wide Web has enough samples of my voice that they can then take that and map it onto the text I've typed and read it out as if it were me. Isn't that scary? And they're saying that eventually you may even be able to, for example, say, type in, uh, hey, go and call this number and review my insurance policy, and they'll be able to speak as if it were you and navigate the whole call on your behalf. That's scary, right? So it's happening with images, it's happening with audio, and it's even happening with creative content. Many of you will have heard of, and if you've heard of it, you've most likely messed around with ChatGBT. Uh, hands up if you've heard of ChatGBT. A few, a few hands, probably about half. So this is where you can type in requests for it to help you with any number of different tasks. From, I mean, anything, really. From coding, to maths formulas, to holiday planning, to pl- uh, plumbing, to poetry. And even sermons. So uh, I asked ChatGBT the following yesterday. This is what I typed in. I work at Hillview Community Church in Aberdeen. Write me a sermon intro for one of our Vision Series sermons. This sermon is on the importance of being honest before God and with one another. And here's what it spat out at me. Good morning, Hillview Community Church. It's a joy to be with you all today as we continue our vision series. As we reflect on our vision as a church, it's important to remember that we are called to be a a community that embodies honesty and transparency. In a world that often values superficiality and facade, we are called to be a people who are real with one another and with God. We believe that honesty is a crucial component of any healthy relationship, and that includes our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Preach it chat GBT. it kept going in today's sermon we will explore the importance of being honest before god and with one another we will look at how honesty fosters deeper connections helps us to grow in our faith and ultimately enables us to fulfill our calling as a community of believers and then the last paragraph so let's take a moment to reflect on our own honesty with god and with each other are we being real or are we hiding behind a mask Let's ask God to help us embrace the value of honesty and transparency and lead us in living out this vision as a community. Amen. Time for the closing. I mean, that's not bad, is it really? That's pretty impressive. Uh, And you're maybe thinking, yeah, it's actually a lot better than most of your sermon intros. Uh, Thank you very much. Well... (laughs) Just just while we're here, regardless, I want to make this commitment to you, that is the last time I will ever, ever copy and paste from ChatGBT directly into my sermon manuscript notes, okay? I promise. I promise. It is getting harder to know what's real and what's fake. And of course, there's all sorts of horrific aspects to this as well, which we've seen in the news of late. And certainly that's true as we think about some of these tools that are available for like scary, questionable, and, and awesome uh, sometimes purposes. But even in normal life, it's a concern, isn't it? You know, you think of politics, in media, maybe in relationships, in work, perhaps chit-chat with acquaintances, the chit-chat that we might engage with with people who we don't really know all that well, like at a shop, you could, you can sometimes wonder, are they are they being real with me? Are they being honest? And of course, where this issue gets really difficult is with close friends and family. How concerning, hurtful, even sometimes devastating if those closest to us are not being truthful about what is really going on with them, around them, in them in terms of their thoughts and emotions and so on. That can be so difficult if you realize, you can begin to sense and realize after probing that someone is not being truthful, they're not being honest with you. Now here's a question for us to consider this morning. How about for us as a church, in this community, this family of faith, how important is honesty and authenticity in our life together. We're in this little mini-series just now, we're about halfway through after the end of today, Uh, looking at our church vision. There's eight different statements on our church vision that we aspire to as a church. As we've said every week, these are not things that we've ticked off that we will ever tick off, but things that we might be praying That God would bring about. And today we're looking at the vision statement that says, it'll come up on the screen, it says, we see a church that is honest and relevant. Um, Just brief aside, to be honest, if I was rewriting uh, this today, I'd probably push for something different than the word relevant. I think it was written with good intentions. It was seeking to communicate that the, the hope and the, the message and life of this church would, would actually speak to real issues that matter in day-to-day life. Um, but I think sometimes talk of, of relevance lands as us as th- as thinking about being a desire for cultural relevance, maybe with certain stylistic things, for example. And that's not at all what we're trying to get at here. Hopefully, as a little text underneath uh, makes clear. It says, we will be authentic. We will acknowledge the joys and pains of life and will seek God's presence and purposes therein. We will not sugarcoat the reality of sin in the world and in our lives. We will confront hard issues, acknowledging that though we don't know all the answers, God is in control. And I mentioned the way Ian led us in our worship. One of the things that you will hear, you heard Ian say earlier, and you'll hear us say regularly in terms of how we gather together, is to say, you know, I'll say things like, some of you might be having a great time in life just now, and others of us will be deep in the valley. Some will be full of joy, and some will be full of questions, and struggles. That's not just out of empty habit that we say these things, but it's recognizing the the need for us to come honestly. And it's an invitation to let's just acknowledge that God is here, that God knows everything, and that we can be honest before him. And we pray more and more we can be honest with one another. Our hope, our vision from Hillview, both here from the front on Sundays, but also just in day-to-day life, in ministry, in small groups, in prayer triplets, and so on, is that increasingly as we meet together and share life together, that we would be authentic about the the highs and lows of life, the joys and the pains, the hopes and the fears. Now, this is important for a few reasons. First of all, it's important so we can care for one another Appropriately. In, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, it's, it, we are encouraged to, or indeed we're actually commanded to, bear one another's burdens. To put it a, a different way, to use language from Romans 12, we are to rejoice when others rejoice and to weep with those who weep. Well, how can we do that without a church culture within which it's okay to admit that we have burdens? Or that we are full of joy, that we have things to celebrate. We want to be a loving family in this church, so we need to be honest with each other for that to happen. Another reason this is important is so that we can be of help to those who don't yet know Jesus. When Jesus was on earth, he was criticized for the way that he carried himself. The people that he spent time with were, by and large, people who recognized their need. It was these people that the sort of religious elite of their day wanted nothing to do with. But Jesus was steadfast in his commitment to people who knew they needed help. Saying, for example, in Mark 2, 17, those who are well, Jesus says, has, have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous to repentance, but Sinners. And we should come with the same heart as Jesus, that we would want to minister to those who know they don't have it all together. So the starting point of that, of course, is that we need to be honest about that, acknowledging those difficult realities in our lives. But the main reason this is important is because the Bible makes clear that it's important for us to live like this. We spoke a few weeks ago about our heart, that our prayer would be that the Word of God would be at the very center of everything that this church is all about. Well, let me tell you, the Bible is an honest book. (laughs) Every book of the the Bible very much acknowledges the joys and the pains of life and, and God's presence and God's unfolding story in the midst of that. There's no sugar coating of, for example, the very desperate need we have. Rather, we are confronted in the Scriptures by a stark, warts-and-all picture of a sinful, broken world which is in need of the hope and the healing of Jesus Christ. A world which is not the way that God wanted it, but which has been tainted by sin, my sin, your sin, and death. And the Bible is very, very real about that. And the Bible is real that God is working out his purposes even when we can't understand how or why it is the case that certain things happen the way they do. So because the Bible is clear about this, so we should want to be. So let me just share with you a few scriptures that speak directly to this. They're not gonna come up on the screen. I've written them down here. Proverbs 19, verse 1. Better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. <laughs> Maybe Ian's comment before I came up was prophetic cuz listen to Proverbs 24:26, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips <laughs> says God's word. An honest answer, a truthful one. Proverbs 12:22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are His delight. You know, that's heavy for me, right, standing up here. God, help me not be deceitful in how I present myself. Help me not have lying lips. Help us not have lying lips. Ephesians 4:25. The context here is the encouragement that we have to live in the new life that Jesus has won for us. And it says this, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And then really interesting little phrase, he says, be angry and do not sin." Which is to say, you know, this isn't just about being all fluffy and gentle and peaceful together. The reality is sometimes there are hard things to say. Sometimes there are issues that need to be brought up with a degree of righteous anger. And of course we tread very carefully there. But there is a way to be angry. There is a way to raise difficult things that is not sinning. And that's, what, that's the sort of speech that Paul is encouraging here. Remember the brutal words Jesus had for those who were living fake lives. Listen to what he says in Matthew 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Last one for now. 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 2. Put away, I think the NIV says, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Sorry, I said last one, but this is the last one for now. Finally, just very simply, Romans 12, verse 9 let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. In many ways, that sums up what this vision statement that we're looking at today is trying to get at. And, and my question for us is, how much do we want this? It's not easy to, to, to get to this point. We need God's help. It's not easy for a community like ours. We have a just a few factors came to mind that make this very difficult for us. A mix of a few different things going on. First of all, it's not easy to be honest and authentic together because we're very diverse, which is a wonderful thing. It's generally easier to be honest and vulnerable and open with people who are kind of the same as you, who get the, the things that you get and understand the way that you communicate and live and things like that. But we're, we're very diverse, which is awesome. Culturally, ethnically, theologically, ecclesiologically, that is to say, we've all got different church backgrounds and things like that. With regard to stage of life, we are diverse. And that makes it difficult, to be honest, you know, because people don't understand our context as much as, as they might. Another reason this is difficult is we're Scottish, or we live in Scotland. And maybe Scottish people aren't naturally the most open. I had a brilliant uh, coffee with someone uh, on Friday, uh, Wednesday, sorry, who was just sharing with me that it was very difficult for him to tell me some of the the, the struggles of his life. And it was because he mentioned, because we're Scottish. And uh, I think many of us can relate to that. Another reason this is challenging, we, broadly speaking, have among us a, a fairly middle class, comfortable vibe in Hillview Community Church. Let's just be honest about that. Comfy chairs, nice big car park, nice warm building. Uh, It's pretty comfortable here and that maybe makes it a bit challenging for us to, to, to get past the sort of ease and the comfort of that and to be real with one another. Another reason I think this can be difficult is we're busy in our culture. We're always rushing from one thing to another. How are you doing? Yeah, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And, and you know, moving on to the next thing. Another reason this is challenging for us in a context like this, we're sitting in rows. We're looking at the backs of people's heads, Uh, especially if this is your main or your only experience of life in Hillview Community Church. It's not very conducive for for getting to know one another, sharing honestly together, and, and could go on and on. These are just some of the external factors that make this a challenge. Now, add to that the reality of where our hearts sit with this, and it's very challenging. It is safer to keep things tight and buttoned up, and concealed, isn't it? It's less safe when we expose the tender areas of our lives. I'm slowly learning some things about dogs which is probably a good thing given that we've had Luna for almost two years, Uh, my first ever dog in my life, and I'm slowly learning some things about dogs. One of the ways, uh, so I'm told, that we know that Luna trusts me is that when she sees me for the first time in ages, um, she might sit down and look up at me, and then before you know it, if I go to stroke her, what she does is she falls over on her back and lifts her legs and her arms up like this, and she wants me to, to rub her tummy. She wants me to give her the tummy rubs uh, as we talk about in, in the family. And if she didn't trust me, I'm told, her posture would be altogether very, very different. Now, it's the same for us. No, I'm not encouraging you to lie on your back and go like this to the pe- No, we're not. My, what is happening with our sermon today? Kissing and tummy rubbing. No, do not rub anyone's tummies uh, today, okay? <laughs> right, move on, Martin. Keep going. The point is this if we're not sure that we can trust one another, we remain cautious. We remain defensive, wary. It takes time for us. It takes courage for us. It takes for us to know that we are loved, to be vulnerable, to acknowledge those tender realities of struggle and doubt and sadness and confusion and all the rest of it. Now, in the time that we have left, what I want us to do, I want to throw more than just a random few verses at you about the importance of this. Firstly, I want us to look at Paul's life a little bit, and then just want to look at one specific example of the way that God encourages us and deals with us in our struggles, um, and then we'll come to, to communion. First, looking at Paul's life. One of, one of the wonderful things about how the Bible is put together is that much of the scripture comes to us by way of letter. Paul writes letters to people. So this week, what I did was, I basically went through all Paul's letters quickly, trying to find various ways Paul exposed his heart to those that he was in relationship with. And it was really interesting what I found. This is by no means, we're gonna see nine things over three different slides. And these are by no means a definitive list this is just from one scan through Paul's letters. And as I share these verses, the references are not mainly um, including just times when Paul is teaching theology on these things, mainly. Um, these are, are, are passages when he speaks of these things from a very personal point of view. And we're just going to mention them, and then I'm going to read the, the, the passage that is underlined under each heading, and we'll, we'll move on. But I just want us to get a sense here of, okay, in, in even the life of the Apostle Paul, is it true that he sought to be honest and, and open and real with people on various different topics? Well, let's have a look. First thing we see is that Paul was honest in showing love and affection. So we can see there a number of passages, but the one that I want to just share with you is from Philippians chapter one. Listen to this, verses three to eight. So Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. What a beautiful way to talk about the family of God. Are you able to say to people in your lives, I yearn for you. With the affection of Christ Jesus, I hold you in my heart. And countless other scriptures that speak to this. Paul was honest in showing love and affection to his church around about him. Secondly, Paul was honest about the seriousness of sin and the power of the gospel. So 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 says this. For even if I made you grieve with my letter... I do not regret it. (laughs) Just so blunt, Paul, sometimes. Even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss, us. Do you see how seriously he takes this? He's not worried if he offends people. If it leads, if the, in the kindness of God, it leads to repentance. One other passage here in First Timothy chapter 1. I just wanted to share. I really should have put markers in my Bible because we're going to be all over the place, people. Bear with me. First Timothy 1 verse 13 says this, though formerly I was a blasphemer persecutor and an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul was not reluctant to make clear that he was a mess apart from the grace of God. He was a sinner That that he'd done horrible things in in standing against what Jesus was about. But he always was in that place of thanking God for the power of the gospel. That that was no longer the case. That God had taken him on on a different path. Are you honest about these things? Secondly, thirdly, sorry. Paul was honest about his anguish concerning the lost. Romans chapter 9. I am speaking the truth in Christ I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. Even in that, do you hear that? Three different times in one verse. Paul's underlining, I'm being real here. I'm being truthful here. I'm being honest here. And you know, there's a sense in which he's maybe teaching himself as he does that. Paul, be honest. Paul, be truthful here. And then he goes on. um, That I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers and sisters, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He's speaking of his fellow ethnic Jews. He's saying, I would be willing to be damned by God. Such is my yearning for them to know the truth of the good news. Amazing. Fourthly, Paul was honest about his integrity and standing as a leader, and it's interesting, isn't it? How many references there are here? Second Corinthians, verse one, verse to, sorry, chapter one, verse twelve to fifteen. Our boast is this: the testimony of our conscience that we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Not by earthly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and supremely so towards you. For we are not writing to you anything other than what you read and understand, and I hope you will fully understand, just as you did partially understand us, that on the day of our Lord Jesus, you will boast of us, and we will boast of you, because I was sure of this. I wanted to come to you first, so that you might have a second experience of grace, Paul was not reluctant to flag the the integrity that he sought to live with and lived with as an apostle of Christ Jesus. And I can't tell you how challenging that is. How many times Paul says things like, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And you know what? We should all be able to say that to people who are at a different stage of a walk with Jesus, we should be able to say, look at my conduct, look at my behavior, look at my speech. I'm not using this kind of speech, I'm using that kind of speech because of what God has done, all through the grace of Jesus Christ. But Paul was very forthright in in, in calling his people to see, I'm I'm seeking to live, and by God's grace, I am living honorably among you. That's a wonderful thing that, that a leader could say that. How I need God's help. Fifthly, Paul was honest about his weaknesses and his need for prayer. So still in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is one of his most kind of heartfelt, honest letters. And uh, in, verse, in chapter 12, listen to what he says. He says, uh, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that were giving me a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. No one really knows what this thorn is, whether it's a physical ailment or whether it was a person that was constantly after Paul. But he says, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will gladly boast all the more of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me i'm content with weaknesses insults hardships persecutions and calamities for when i am weak then i am strong and again there's multiple ways that paul paul draws attention to the fact that folk thought he was a rubbish speaker He mentions it a few times in his letter that he's not very good with his words, that that he's feeble in in person, in in presence. He says, you know, people were aware that when he wrote to them, there was power and authority, but when he went to stand next to them, he wasn't all that impressive a person, many people thought. And Paul just acknowledges this, just honestly. (laughs) I love it. Sixth, Paul was honest about the validity of different views. Now, of course... This takes some thought and some consideration because there are some things that we should not be at all flexible on. But there are many issues in Christian life that we might, I might have one opinion on it and you might have another and that's totally okay. And, and there's, a, there's a place for conscience in all of this. Listen to Romans 14. One person esteems one day as better than another. So various calendar things, various uh, religious practices, that's what he's speaking about here. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats eats in honor of the Lord since he gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. And so so Romans 14 is an incredible chapter of just multiple different issues. Speaking of the importance of being convinced in our own minds. But acknowledging that, hey, it's okay. We can, we can be real about the fact that we're just going to disagree on some stuff. And we, we have to do that in this church. One of the blessings, uh, you know, is the huge range of churches that we've all grown up in and, and, and been around, uh, or at least many of us have been around over, over the days. And that, that brings challenges in terms of how we make decisions, you know, how we move forward as a church together. We just need to be honest about that. And we need to be open-handed with how we navigate these things. Let's keep going. Uh, Paul was honest about the trouble that he experienced. So, again, back to 2 Corinthians verse 1, chapter 1, verse 8 to 11. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. So, yes, there's an internal weakness that he was honest about. He was also honest about the, the plights that came before him. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. You know, come on, Paul. Is it really that bad? You know, you might, you might say, if you were feeling a bit unloving and uncaring, get over it, Paul. No, this is important. He's laying before us the importance of honesty and and the challenges that we face. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. And again, there's some of these references here is just as simply as Paul saying, pray for us. Pray for us. I need your help. Hey, would you bring me a coat? I'm cold, Second Timothy. Help me, help me, I need help. Let's keep going. Paul was honest about delicate and tough situations. And again, there's so many scriptures here. But by delicate and tough situations, I'm speaking of things like those who cause division, those who cause quarrels in the church, the mess of sexual impropriety that was happening in the church of Jesus Christ, selfishness, conflict with other leaders, laziness, all these very delicate issues which are painful and take hours upon hours of care and attention. Paul was just honest about the need to get after some of these things. So I'll just look at one passage, 2 Timothy verse, chapter 2, verse 16 to 18 says this avoid irreverent babble. <laughs> I mean, it's just a good message for us, right? Avoid irreverent babble. I've lost my place. For it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. And then he names a couple of folk. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, seeing that the resurrection has already happened, they are upsetting the faith of some. Sometimes we need to be honest about difficult things that are causing division, that are spreading disunity, are spreading corruption in the church of Jesus Christ. And again, of course, we, we, we tread so carefully. But it is true that we do need to sometimes deal head on with really difficult things. Uh, the final one. Sorry, I said nine. It's eleven that we've got. <laughs> so the, uh, the not the p what's what before penultimate? Uh, who knows? Tra- tra- The the ninth one is this. Paul was honest about calling Christians to maturity, calling out uh, waywardness. If someone was not walking the path that they were meant to, he called them out on it. If someone needed an encouragement in the right direction, he called them towards it. Galatians chapter 4, verse 8. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn Turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid I may have labored over you in vain. Again, you hear the, the sort of honest pleading that Paul is making here with, with his, his people. And again, I am thankful that in this church, I have had the experience where people have come to me in love, in care, but honestly said, why did you say that? That was wrong. That's not who you really are. Become who you are in Christ Jesus, Martin. And I've had people who've had tough conversations about me, with me in ways that I've erred and continue to, to err. Paul was honest about calling Christians to maturity. Are you? Do you have a relationship with anyone in this church that you can say, you've given up that way? You've given up that way. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Helping them see what that looks like. Here we go. Number 10. Paul was honest in how he encouraged others. 1 Corinthians 16, uh, verse 17 and 18. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus because they have made up for your absence, for they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition. To such people, honor people who bring encouragement, who bring life, who bring hope. Paul was honest about that need, and then, lastly, importantly, Paul was honest about money. So many passages again, but Second Corinthians nine, he says there is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has, already, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, in... Sorry, otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready, we will be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. He's speaking here about the church participating in the needs, giving for the needs of other parts of the body of Christ. And he's calling people, you guys are good at this. You guys are ready for this. Keep in that mode. Stay open with your wallets. Be ready to provide for the needs that God has put before you. Paul opened his life up in the way that he lived and ministered. And God saw fit to take his very honest yearnings and concerns and infuse them with the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and present them to us as holy scripture. And I just wonder, which of these areas might you pray for growth in? If we can just flick through them. Look at them just now. Which area? Might you pray for growth in and showing love and affection and being honest about the seriousness of sin and in, 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 in your concern for those who don't know Jesus yet, and your about the desire to, to be full of integrity and how you lead others on in Jesus, about your weaknesses, about the reality that we all have different opinions about the trouble that you have experienced, about delicate, difficult situations, calling people to maturity, calling people away from sin. What is it that you need to live with honesty in your life this coming week? We've run out of time. I was going to look at Peter, and I was going to look at Peter's denial of Jesus. And then one of the interesting things about this story is that it's one of the few stories where every gospel includes the fact that Peter was gung-ho for Jesus, and within a few hours, he had turned his back on Jesus. And we were going to look at how every single gospel has a different way of restoring people in their failures, in their struggles. I just recognize that we all come now, we're coming to communion, we're coming to the Lord's table, and we come as sinners we come as people who, maybe to varying degrees, have been full of joy and passion for Jesus at one time, but have erred, have stumbled, have fallen, and come now a place in a place of great need. I want you to come honestly today, before this table, as we come to the one who can bring forgiveness and restoration, uh, for the, the, to meet us in the place of need where we are. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter four, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may find mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And this is who we are. We are people in great need. What's the, the phrase that we are? Beggars pointing one another where we can find bread. And here we are in need of the nourishment and the presence and the forgiveness and the ongoing grace of Jesus Christ. And as we come and remember the cross of Jesus Christ, we can find grace and help for us in our time of need. And we can come with confidence to this throne of grace.